0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: The Province Force Podcast.
2: Welcome to the White Podcast, here to talk all things Canucks. Uh, with Patrick Johnson and Ed Willis I'm Paul Chapman I should let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Key West Ford BC's largest selection of trucks If you want to check them out, keywestford.com uh, Gentlemen, Ed, let's start with you um, I just wanted to jump into how this team has looked in the last week since we did a podcast Again, the, the up and down nature of this team continues to uh, surprise me a little bit, but where do you think this team is? Is that a week to week changing model? Are they in a good place? We, we seem to think playoffs are a given right now, but are yeah, you alarmed would, by the case of the last week?
0: No, not, not really. And, and, and I think well, the stretch of the schedule they have before them really sets up well for them. And they really should be able to secure something out of this. Now, if they don't, now we've got a problem, but I think it's something in the order they their nine or their next. Of nine of the next ten games, they're facing teams below the – six or seven teams below the playoff bar. And – you know, I think we've talked about this in, the, in this podcast before. If you look over over the season, it just seems when the schedule is set up well for them, that's when they've really made some hay. And I'm kind of expecting the same thing. I thought they had a real good response against uh, Nashville on, on Monday night. Now, granted, it was a night where a lot of things went well for them. But they came out with an energy. It was kind of, the re, you know, they kind of reverted back to that formula we've seen, which revolves around goaltending, the power play, the young players, and some depth scoring. And that was all in evidence. on on Monday night
2: Patrick you were just on the recent road trip Uh, your thoughts in terms of how this I I think sometimes we take for granted we have talked about it all year but we take for granted that it's still a very young team
1: yeah it was funny on not funny it was Terrible on Thursday, being reminded of what a Pedersen-less universe looks like. Because you know, good guy, you know, good bunch of guys, hard working, hard, but they had no offense. And as Ed said, I mean, the key to this team is very much how their offense runs and how their goalies run, uh, and that runs through their young players. I mean, Quinn Hughes continues to be a fantastic, fantastic story. His, his development, I think, we all thought he was going to be good, but you never really expect a for, number one defenseman you know, to emerge just like that. Uh, and Petter, Pettersson, I, I think has been, you know, obviously dealing with a bit of, uh, you know, physical pressure, I suppose, and dealing with a bit of a back problem, but it, it's just such a, an interesting team to watch in such a contrast, you know, to where they were. Ed and I were talking about this in the video, where they were two or three years ago. It's, they're just, they're better stories there. They're a better team. And it's all because of those young guys. You you mentioned goaltending.
2: There were times last night, and I I have a love hate thing with social media. Like sometimes I just want to throw my phone out the window and just focus on the game, and other times I
0: wouldn't know anything about that.
2: <laughs> other times there's, uh, you know, that you can you can really mine a whole bunch of pearls from uh, watching or seeing people's reaction on social media. It was a stretch last night after the Canucks went up four um, nothing, where they were really under siege, and you just saw this reckoning of Canuck fans that Jacob Markstrom really has been the team MVP this year. I mean, Patrick's right. Hughes is a great story. Pedersen, absolutely the superstar of this team going forward. But this team is, I don't think, anywhere near where they are if it's not for Jacob Markstrom.
0: No, yeah, absolutely. And, And you really have to, it's funny, his triple crown numbers, goals against average save percentage are kind of, you know, they don't begin to, to, to reveal the kind of season he's had. But when you'd go into that second layer of fancy stats, they really are remarkable. But yeah, you really, you know, and I go back to that run just before Christmas where they'd lost. Three, it's three out of four for whatever it was ending up with a loss a home ice loss to Montreal and they got out played terribly over the next four games but they won because Marksman just boarded up the net. Uh, it shapes up a really interesting offseason what they do with him what they do with their goaltending going forward but like in the here and now yeah he, he's he been the team MVP he, he's kind of allowed them allowed all these eleme- other elements of their games to kind of develop naturally and organically with a lot of pressure like can you imagine if they would have that average goaltending, you know, and now the fingers started pointing at Pedersen, at Hughes, Brock Besser, who was, you know, I know he's hurt right now, but he's kind of able to kind of almost go unnoticed through a really average season and it all comes back to the goaltending. I'm going to throw this out. I know,
2: Patrick, you mentioned it about Quinn Hughes, but really I I think I don't want to go down to who gets credit for what. But when you look at the mentality of young players like Pedersen and like Hughes and to some respect Besser, certainly Horvat as well, there's there's a mentality and the attitude and a maturity that's attached to these players as much as the talent on the ice and that's got to count for a lot. It, it's
1: a huge part of the story that, you know, as <clears throat> we're going to say his name, Judd Brackett drove this scouting team and, you know, obviously Jim Benning's been part of that story as well because Jim is a scout and he knows what it looks like. But the, overall, the – the, the the focus has been not just on this sort of on-ice upside, their ability to play, but what are they like off the ice? Are these good people? And so far, so good. The fact that these guys want to win is obvious, but their sort of ability to dial in and, and work ethic and, and just sort of say, okay, I need to be the best. I need to keep doing this. And we see this in Patterson all the time. I and mean, the guys. We don't ask him about lacrosse style goals because we know how mad it makes him that he hasn't scored one yet. Well, then you should ask him that every day. Yeah, you know, <laughs> another game you haven't scored one—that will be the end. Come of- on, think of the coffee, <laughs> Patrick. Yeah. I, I know, but you know, it's that's where we're at. It's a, you know, he—that's how much he wants to score one. And the day we score one, the stories will will last for days because we'd be more than happy to talk about it and how frustrated he was he couldn't do it. Uh, you know, Quinn Hughes. You know, I mentioned this. I mentioned this on a video with Ed. You know, on Monday, there we are in the hallway, and and Quinn comes. I, 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 so I'm still not quite sure where Quinn was coming from, because it doesn't actually make sense the direction he was walking, but he was having a little stroll, I just had a nice, you know, that confident look on his face that he always seems to have, and he just said, hey, how's it going? And you're like, good, and I asked him how the chess series is going against Chris Tanev, and well, we haven't played again yet, but it's just that quiet confidence, and he just is here to get it done, and the challenge presents itself and he gets it done. And it's because of his work ethic. He just wants to be the best out there.
2: And you've, you know, you, you were around Hughes a little bit of the world juniors. You'd written about him prior, uh, to him actually arriving here in the NHL. Um, and you've seen a lot of young players come in. Are you surprised at this, or did you see this coming?
0: Oh, the, the production absolutely. I don't think anybody could have said, okay, we're going to plug this guy in. He's going to he's going to run a really a pretty good NHL power play. He's going to probably break the rookie record for for points by a defenseman in the Canucks. I don't think anybody anybody could have foretold that. But, but what I can say is he, and talked to him and I, t- I talked to him. Actually, it was a pre-tournament game. I said, they said USA hockey set up a phone or with him. And, and, you know, and it, when it was done, I, I said, geez, kid, like, are you 17 or 32? He just had that kind of presence about him and, and those things you know when you've covered the game for a while you recognize people who understand the game, people who understand the responsibility of what it is to be an elite player he's been around it literally since he was 10 years old in the Maple Leafs dre- dressing room and every step along the way it just kind of reinforced you know who he is, uh, how he goes about his business and to me that's the most impressive part about it and it's, it's what makes you think look th- th- this, this isn't a mirage, this is who he is, he was born for this and I, I, I I honestly think he will go down in history if he stays healthy as he the greatest defenseman in Canucks history.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it says a lot about the organization that you can make that determination now. But yeah. I mean certainly he's already like shown I, again, I remember the conversation. I remember the stories about Edler. I remember stories about guys like Lidster and Olin back in the day. Didn't quite get to that level, but Hughes certainly looks already as if he has that template.
0: If, if I can, and just you know, go, going back to the draft, and I remember it was actually I had a conversation with with, with Trevor Landon, uh, <clears throat> and it was it was shortly before he was fired, as a matter of fact. But they were at scouting meetings, and I was waiting for waiting to talk to him, and he comes out, and he kind of you know, it was an off the record conversation, but. He he laid out how the first round, how he thought the first round might be, and the end game was always going to be Quinn Hughes. And it really depended on the two centers, uh, Konyemi and Barrett Hayton, who nobody didn't really, they didn't really know where they were going to fall. And, and they both went in the first five picks and that opened the door. And I know Jim Benning was just ecstatic when when Hughes fell in their lap. So he was always a guy. This is such a massive win for the organization. To get a talent like that seventh overall, when you're probably looking at about a 60%, 65% chance, you're going to land an impact player.
1: And that was such a statement about the organization across the board knowing what they needed. That they needed, you know, it stands, it's obvious that you need to find a great defenseman, but they needed a guy who could move the puck. Who could change the dynamic of that back end you know you think about the struggles just the NHL team was having moving the puck up the ice but to get a guy like this who you know they knew in the next couple of years would come along and help with that process you know I, I'm sure they dreamed of him becoming the process but the 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 it was such an incredible move for them and you know you're right I mean you were there I wasn't there but you you hear even now the the sort of energy from anybody in that organization when you talk about Quinn Hughes and the draft day and him falling in their laps it they they still I think can't quite believe the stroke of luck that they landed with him
2: Patrick you had talked about life without Pedersen so. Um, we have seen, obviously, Besser injured now. A couple of guys, Bailey and McEwen, brought, McEwen, again, brought up from Utica. How do you feel about the depth of this team? Like, are they able to weather a storm here? Because, obviously, where we are in the calendar, I start to see the trade talk. And yeah. whether this is just conversation or whether they feel they're actually going to need something.
1: Well, Mark bester has been struggling. We know that. So, it, it is a bit odd uh, in his story to not have him in the lineup for a couple of games. It's been a difficult go for him. In many ways, we haven't seen him in the lineup, if you will, because he hasn't been able to produce. Um, and that's not, you know, he. I thought he was playing great uh, on on Saturday night, firing shots from other places, which is kind of what he needed to do. You know, so they still need him in the lineup. He's he's better than the alternative. He's one of their better players, and uh, and you you believe he'll get back to scoring because that's been what he's been most of his career. That said, you know, like any team, you lose a top player, you look at Edmonton, they're going to be without the best player in the world, so you're never going to replace that guy. Maybe it's an unfair comparison, but that's a team that's going to be up against it for the next three weeks without Connor McDavid. If you took Elias Petterson out of this lineup, you took Quinn Hughes out of this lineup, the Canucks are going to be up against it. Um Below that, though, you know, they, they've they been scoring by committee, and that's been a story all season. The fact this team's been able to score goals has gotten them out of trouble. You know, Zach McEwen did score a goal the other or on on Monday night. You know, did what you needed him to do. Went to the tough area, got a good shot off, scored a goal because of it. it it's a team that clearly has shown that they can manage uh, themselves offensively. That that you know, as long as they're top players in the lineup, they're going to find goals. And I think I think that in the end will carry them through. I mean, there's still lots of reasons to be nervous about you know the state of their lineup. That they're still. You know they were they had a really great start to the year and now all of a sudden they're giving up too many shots. We know this, we can see this, and Jacob Markstrom bailing them out. You'd rather not have to have your goalie bail you out every night, um, but everything's been working. They've been picking up points all season using this formula, and uh, to me, there's every reason to think it's going to carry forward. Ed, uh, you and I have talked about stuff like this over the years. I look at a team
2: like and I'm not comparing the Canucks to a Nashville Predators who were just in town. But Nashville, get to the Stanley Cup Finals and don't get it done, but you assume, okay, they're on the right track, and you look at where they are now. I even look at Winnipeg two years ago. Everyone said, oh, you know, Winnipeg should have made the Stanley Cup Final, but they didn't, but they're a team. You see how quickly it comes apart. How do you balance that of how quickly things can change in the NHL versus being patient?
0: Uh, uh, Grasshopper, that is the eternal question, isn't it, of San Jose? Yeah, look at where they Eric were Carson's where they positioned. The that, that, yeah. That's it, and you know, and the bottom has just fallen out, and and it looks like it's going to stay that way oh, for the foreseeable like. for for the foreseeable future. It's a balancing act. It's a really tricky one, and uh, I I I don't have the answers. So that's why you know, GMS and presidents get paid what paid what they do. Figure out where the team is in the revolution. What do we need? What how 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 do we how do we balance the needs for the future versus the needs for the present? I was just scribbling down. A note here: uh, Jason Zucker trade uh, yeah. f- fell yesterday, and you think about, boy. That's a you know that that's a big big deal. They paid a hefty price for him, uh, and then you look what Benning paid. If you look at the grief Benning took for for the JT Miller trade. I don't know. I'd much rather have JT Miller in my lineup than than Jason Zucker, and uh, I, the 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 price is, you know, uh, Benning uh, first and a third a lottery protected first and a third uh, Zucker cost them a, a first a first round pick a, a pass first round peg and Galchenyuk was a salary dump I, I get that but um th- those are the kind of trades and and and, and right age Right fit for the team, all that going forward. This is a really long-winded save- way of saying I really think their deadline deal will be getting Michael Furlan back.
1: Who, by the uh, way, has just been assigned to the Utica for y- a yes. six-day loan.
0: Breaking news. Have we got a breaking news? Darm, do we have breaking Darm- news? Music? Music? Drop, the, had, drop yeah. the sound effect <laughs> in there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think we, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, and-
2: we spent our budget on sound effects on like coffee or something.
0: <laughs> and then And then beyond that, they still have options in Utica. Uh, and I think we've talked about this. I think people want to see Brogan Rafferty play a couple of games uh, this year. I wouldn't mind seeing Cole land. and yeah, and, and, uh, Justin Bailey to me was was just fine last night. He gave them, he, he drew a penalty he went, when they were going good in the first period. He had, he, you know, he had a little zip to his game. McEwen was terrific. So I I don't think long term they 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 can you know. Supplant or or replace the guys they were, the, 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 that are out of the lineup, but short term they give them a little something. And it's been a while since we could say that about a Canucks team.
1: Dare, dare I say one other name? All of you, (laughs) Alevi?
0: Well, well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm curious
2: about that. Obviously, you want to give some players some seasoning and everything else, and you can have guys fill in, um, for injuries, but I, I, I started to see some stuff this week to the Canucks look at Hoglander or Pud Coles and, uh, to give up a piece for the playoffs for this year. And ultimately I'd say, no, that's stupid. But you know, you talked about Markstrom and you look at how that landscape could change. If you can't come to an agreement, you don't want to give him the money. And he goes, oh, I just think these are all fascinating storylines sitting in front of the Vancouver Canucks. I think obviously before you, you can compare yourself to a Nashville or a Winnipeg, you actually have to go on a playoff run. But I think there's some fascinating scenarios that are going to play out over the next, not just, couple of months, but into this off-season as well, because you need to know what this team has coming next year, and then you need to have the cap on top of that. So, like, for me,
0: did the Calgary game bother you at all, Ed? A, a, a little bit, just because... Um I, I thought they got out. I thought they got out worked. I, I, I thought Calgary was the, the, the more, that word desperate gets thrown around so much. Well, so we'll use it. They, they were the more desperate team. They were the harder working team. They were the team that ready to play and pay the price in that. and that. And Vancouver just kind of like, like the acquiesced. They they really didn't show up, and it's one of the few times this year, this year they haven't where you could really pinpoint and say, yeah, you know that that team got outworked on that night. Now it only lasted the one night, and you know I I I still think you know they they they've just built up too much credit in the goodwill bank uh, to write them off at this point. Again, I look at the, the the next stretch of like eight nine ten games. The schedule is in their favor. I think if the you know if they if they get six seven wins over that stretch, you know we're not talking about that. Um, and if they don't, you know, now we have a problem. So
2: uh, just before we wrap up, I don't want to revisit the Sedin stuff because we know we have a Jersey retirement coming and we've done a separate podcast. You can go check that out uh, on our website, so theprovince.com, Vancouversun.com, or if actually you could subscribe through Apple Podcasts so you get it automatically. But you guys told some of your favorite Sedin stories uh, last week. But it is, it is interesting to see these old players in the building. And I know that there's. You know, you talk about the Ryan Kessler Redemption Tour or, you know, what Marcus Naslin's role was here. And I was just reading an old column of yours that talked about, you know, Naslin's chemistry with Bertuzzi and how good that was in that 2002-2003 season in particular. Um Is there too much of this happening for the Canucks to put it like, is this, I guess what I'm saying is it. That- cynical to say this is too much of a 50th anniversary, or is this the Canucks catching up over something that they should have been doing all along?
0: I remember having a conversation, I think it was with Lawrence Gilman, and it was basically along the lines, if you don't have the tradition of a championship team, you kind of have to create your own. And I think that's, that's what a great they're point. doing. And yeah. I, th- I think that's and and, 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 and that's fine. I, I think they've really struck a nice tone w- with these things. You know, and I wrote about this. I think it's over the top for everybody, unless you happen to live in British Columbia. And then I think it's a celebration of these two transcendent figures, you know, who really transformed the franchise, who, you know, means so much to the community, to the hockey team, all those things. So yeah, you know, celebrate it. That, that, that's fine. Kind of be aware that, yeah, maybe there's a bit of marketing involved in this and, and all the rest of it, but they're also worthy of the adulation and everything that goes along with it.
1: To say about the it meaning something only British companies is kind of the point, though, isn't it? At the end of the day, is that like you need, you need to win over somebody, and if you're not winning over your local fans, I mean, you you hope to build a national brand, but you're never going to build a national brand, which is unfortunate because of well, why those, not?
2: Well, I mean, you have to win Stanley Cups for sure, right? But it, I mean, when I'm not going to say Gretzky, yeah. but when a Paul Coffey's jersey right. goes up in the rafters yeah. in Edmonton, or you know even a Patrick Roy in, right. in Montreal people are paying attention and I think that's to, to Gilman's point you know well, well you're not going to say they won three cups so but this is right. do you care in Toronto well, that the Scenes numbers are going up
1: well I think I mean it's unfortunate because you should and I think this is a point that many people who are involved in the management team of the Vancouver Canucks over the years would say that it's ridiculous the Scenes didn't get more credit I mean many people have pointed this out you know that's that's also the stupid reality of the modern sort of media landscape we're in where it's you 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 open up the website of a competing uh broadcast and uh they have seven stories on the Toronto Maple Leafs you know breaking down whatever kind of ridiculous minutiae and I don't know where the city really it should be number one but it's not and so at the end of the day you have to focus on the people that are actually paying attention to your team you do have to create a bit of a mythology for them, and that's fine because there have been great players and certainly in the last 20 years a lot of winning hockey. And the and the fact that, you know, the the, the West Coast Express era team didn't win a Stanley Cup, I mean, that is a story. It's unfortunate. They should have. The narrative would be so different if they had, and it just as it be if 2011 had gone differently. They just needed to win one more game, and this is a completely different story. So
2: I'll take that BC story then and and say – this is our Dick Duff. If you, if there, <laughs> if, if there's Marcus Nasland, whose jersey is retired, and if there's, uh, Alex Burroughs in the Ring of Honor, I'll just throw three names out at you, and you tell me if they should get retired, Ring of Honor, or, uh, or nothing. Luongo, Bieksa,
1: Kessler. Uh,
0: Luongo, retired, uh, Kessler, Bieksa, Ring of Honor.
1: I think that's about right. I mean, at that point, you've 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 recognized you know i think the five biggest most sort of popular most i suppose transcendent names um there were a lot of other key players but those guys were around for a long time and i think the longevity for those three uh all three of those players is important and luongo's status is, i think also the, the 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 olympics is such a huge important part of that story too it was 10 years ago tomorrow.
2: I know Ed's writing about that. So, running out of time here, folks. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Darm. Again, thanks to the folks at Key West Ford. com. BC's largest selection of Mustangs. If you're interested in one of those, you can check it out at their website. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you next week.